Maybe you grew up watching Mr. Rogers or your, your kids did or, or maybe you're a little past that generation and you know of Mr. Rogers from the Tom Hanks movie, which is excellent, by the way, if you're not doing anything this afternoon, I highly recommend it. Uh, we, we were talking with our uh, community group on Thursday night uh, about Mr. Rogers and maybe you know that particular group is a young couples group and so... Many of them did not grow up watching Mr. Rogers, but they know of Mr. Rogers. If you're around my age and you want to feel old, I'll tell you when and where we meet because they're really good at that. Um, but one of them said that the thing that, that, that she noticed about Mr. Rogers was that he made people feel seen and known. And she didn't know that I was going to say that exact thing this morning. Because he did have this way of communicating uh, that you are seen, that, that you're known, that you're unique, that you are valuable. If you've watched interviews with him, Mr. Rogers had a way of zeroing in on the interviewer and, and really quickly getting to personal issues, difficult conversations even, really, really hard conversations right away because he had this um, natural ability to connect with people. Uh, His primary audience was children, and and he wanted to help children feel like they were valued, they they were seen. They had something to contribute. They didn't have to wait until they became an adult to have something to contribute, to help in that sense. Uh, He would invite people of various races and backgrounds. He would invite children and adults with disabilities and they would be on his show and he would do uh, a segment with them to communicate no matter who you are, no matter what you look like, you are valued. You are deeply, deeply valued. He often tried to strip away the externals and helping children and adults understand their value. He he tried to say, look, it's not what's on the outside of you that matters. It's you. One of his better known songs is called, It's You I Like. And here's a lyric from that song. It's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. It's you I like. Mr. Rogers wrote all of those little songs that that you remember from the show. Here's another one, a very similar title, I Like You As You Are. It has the lyrics, I like you as you are exactly and precisely. I think you turned out nicely, and I like you as you are. You, the you, the real you, the you that's in there, that you is valuable, is unique. 1969, he was testifying before a Senate hearing as the Senate was discussing PBS funding and how much of it should continue, if it should continue. This was part of what he said in that hearing. This is what I give. I give an expression of care every day to each child to help him realize that he is unique. I give an expression of care every day to each child to help him realize he's Unique. And I know this, this, was a tele, this was a children's television show 
that was on a long time ago, and I think I probably speak for all of us here this morning. We don't need somebody, especially a middle-aged man, singing songs to us about how special we are. Like Most of us are past that phase now. If you're not past that phase, that's fine. No judgment here. I'm just saying most of us are past the phase of needing a middle-aged man to sing to us that we are special, and yet... The world that we live in is today really has always been a place where it's easy to lose this sense of identity. Who are we? What is our value? Do we matter? It's easy to lose our sense of purpose. Why are we put on this planet? We feel... We feel weighed and measured most of the time, and, and, and a lot of the time, at least our perspective is we come up short when we get weighed and measured. We're, we're tempted so often to compare ourselves to other people. Do I measure up to what I see around me? And the interesting thing is not only are we doing that, but we're interacting every day with other people who are doing that same thing. They're trying to figure out whether they matter and whether they have value. And they're measuring themselves against what they see and feeling inadequate. Right? Inferiority complexes are really real. They're not just a joke that we make about other people. Often we look at the world or we look at other people and we feel like we don't measure up. Imposter syndrome is real. Many of us go through times in our life, sometimes repeatedly, sometimes consistently, depending on who you are, where we feel like everyone is about to realize I'm really not the person that I'm trying to make them think I am. Everyone is about to realize that I really can't pull this off, that I don't have all the skills that they think that I have, that I can't do the job I've been asked to do. Everybody's about to figure out that I'm a fraud. Imposter syndrome is real. We wonder all the time, are we enough? And the, the daily environments that we exist in uh, often don't help. Right? Work is sometimes hard, right? Anybody ever have a hard day at work? Anybody ever have conflict at work? If you've never had a hard day at work or conflict at work, chances are you've never been to work. <laughs> this is why it's called work, because it's hard sometimes. There's conflict, there's people, things don't go well. We go home at the end of the day feeling like we didn't do what we needed to do or we're so far behind. We're in this perpetual system. It makes us question who we are. Are we enough? Do we, do we matter? Sometimes people are hard. Am I right? People are temperamental and feisty and angry and difficult and opinionated and entitled and arrogant. Right? Social media is hard. It takes very little effort these days to step on a landmine on social media, right? Social issues are are hard these days. Trying to figure out where to land and what to say and if we should say and when we should say it and how we should say it. Those even really important issues, even when we're attempting to be really sincere and even compassionate, 
It's hard. Political issues are hard these days. Where do you weigh in? How do you say it in a way that captures what you really mean and what somebody else, instead of what somebody else is going to interpret what you say to mean in person or online? It's, it's, it's hard. Which is why I think some people resort to image crafting in a public sense. Because there's not a real clear security on the inside. And there's that whole challenge of what do I say and when do I say it and how do I say it. There becomes the question of, well, then what side of me am I going to put out there? What image of me will I put out there, whether it's in person or whether it's online? What me will I let everybody else see? Like crafting this external image of what I want people to see rather than the real me. We live in the world of online influencers, right? People craft an image for profit these days, sometimes a lot of profit. Right? They craft a, a certain persona for public consumption, but it's not really them. And even those who aren't influencers get sucked into this crafting a public image of who I am so that the me that I am even the spiritual me that I am gets presented, filtered, and glossed over and set in front of a beautiful nature scene. Right? There is, we go to great lengths in the, in the world that we live in because we have access to these tools to create this image of ourselves. When... A middle-aged and not-so-middle-aged man once said, no, it's supposed to be you that matters. It's supposed to be you that matters. Right? Adding, I think, to the complexity of all of this is that most of our interactions with people tends to be rather transactional. I'm doing something for you, or you're doing something for me. I'm buying something from you. You're buying something for me. You're doing something that I perceive helps me, or I'm doing something that you perceive helps you. Most of our interactions with people over the course of a normal day tends to be rather transactional, such that relationships, human interaction, at some point becomes something we consume, <clears throat> or something we consume and then we expend. In that sort of world, in that sort of image-conscious world, <clears throat> there seems to be less and less that is real when it comes to relationships. Less and less that is true. Less and less that is authentic. Less of a willingness to say, here is the real me, Show me the real you and let's get those people together. I want to know the real you and I want you to see the real me. Instead, we live in somewhat of a haze of pseudo-friendships and, and pseudo-relationships because we're guarded. We, we, we feel like we have to pretend. We have to craft an image. 
how do we separate ourselves from an environment that asks for a certain image of us more than it asks for us? Uh, last week, we, we talked about 1 John 4, 19, where John says, we love because God first loved us. We love. We are able to have this authentic love for other people because we are secure in the fact that we have been deeply, eternally loved by our Creator. Right? Our, our, our ability to love other people is not in manufactured feelings. It's not in manufactured uh, image. Our ability to love other people is to be grounded and settled and secure in the fact that our Creator has loved us enough to send His Son for us. Like our identity gets sideways when we forget there is an eternal value that God has put on us. We are created in His image and beyond that, He has set His love on us. We are already valued. We are already loved. Although not in an overtly religious way, for 33 years through his television show, Mr. Rogers tries to communicate this again and again and again. Beyond the externals, beyond the you that you present to other people, there is a you that is deeply loved and deeply valued. Now, Jesus obviously didn't have a television show. Who knows if he would have used that medium if he was living in our day. But Jesus expressed the same thing as he interacted with people. He gave an expression of care to people as he interacted with them. Because Jesus was complete and fulfilled in his relationship to his Father, he was able to love deeply and authentically the people that he met he didn't need things from people. It wasn't a transactional relationship. Jesus just loved people. He, he was secure enough in his relationship to his father that he could just love people where they were for who they were. He didn't need the approval of people. It's hard to love people that you need the approval of. It's, it's hard to love people that you're trying to impress. Jesus just loved people. He could simply be with people. Now, I realize, this will come as a shock to some of you, we are not Jesus, right? None of us are Jesus. And we perhaps struggle in some ways that He didn't struggle. We do have insecurities. We do want to be liked at some level. We want to be loved we want to be accepted. We bring with us to relationships bad experiences and hurts and wounds. And it colors our relationships to other people. Uh, we have very good needs for relationship that are intended to draw us towards one another. And sometimes those needs are mismanaged and they cause conflict between us. We aren't like Jesus. Rather, 
We are complex and messy and broken people commanded to love other complex, messy, and broken people. That's who we are. We aren't perfect people. We don't get it right every time. We are complex and messy and broken people commanded to love other complex and messy and broken people. Sometimes I pull back relationally because people are hard, right? People are messy and broken and opinionated and loud and over the top. And then I realize I am one of those people too. I am complex and messy and opinionated and loud and over the top sometimes. I am one of them. We are complex, messy, broken people that have been commanded by Jesus to love other complex, messy, broken people. As a matter of fact, the messiness of other people does not relieve me of the obligation to love them as I love myself, which is what I want. Right? I want a footnote to the great commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself Except when. Like I want an asterisk. I want parentheses. And Jesus doesn't give us any of those. Jesus doesn't say love your neighbor as yourself except when they're this way. You don't have to love the really messy people. You don't have to love the really broken people. There's nothing that makes that command null and void in our lives. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself because you are just as messy and broken as they are. Now, a practical principle that comes out of observing the life of Jesus, reading about the life of Jesus, meditating on the life of Jesus is this, <clears throat> loving our neighbor must include a general and a specific application. When Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, there is a general application to that. But I want us to move from the general application this morning to the specific application. In a sense, when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, yes, he meant that if you encounter someone with a need today, then you should be a neighbor to them. You should be open to loving and showing kindness to anyone in general. Excluding no one, anyone at any time could be your neighbor. When Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, this is one of the points. In that story, a person is walking down a road and they get robbed and people happen upon this victim. And the person that stopped to help was the neighbor. And certainly part of the point of that story is when you happen upon somebody who needs care, then care for them. When you happen upon somebody who needs kindness, then show kindness to them. When you, in general, see someone who needs love, then love them. But I fear for myself, that I, I too often let myself off the hook in the general application and never make it a specific application. Maybe if you think about it 
Some of you are the same as I am. I, I often think, yes, if I encountered someone today who was really in need, I would do something about that. I often think, yes, I, I want to be the type of person that when, when I run into somebody who needs a word of encouragement or a word of kind, in that moment, I'm going to stop and I'm going to respond to that person. But that is a different question than asking, who have I shown kindness to lately? What is the name of the person that I have been a neighbor to Lately, the general idea is wonderful, but generally applying spiritual principles often lets us off the hook of actually specifically obeying spiritual principles. I, 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 principles. I, I think we all should be forgiving. I think we should forgive people who have wronged us. But if you ask me, who have I specifically offered forgiveness to recently who has hurt me? That's a different question. If you ask me to fill in the blank with a name and an experience that I've given over to God and I've released this person from uh, the consequences that I desire for them to have, that's a very specific question. Julie and I went to dinner with some friends Friday night. Um, they don't attend Journey, so you don't have to try to figure out who I'm talking about the more the story goes along. Had a wonderful dinner together. Uh, th- this happens to be friends of ours who are, who are in the middle of a, a, just a huge personal crisis, tragedy, injustice in their life. Through no fault of their own. They ended up on the really bad end of an agreement It was costly, it was painful, it continues to be costly and painful. And uh, as we've been back and forth with them, texting, encouraging over the last weeks or months about it, we had a chance to kind of catch up over dinner. And at one point, the wife said, I got to a point where I had to say out loud, I forgive you, and then said the name of the person that had hurt them. Which, that's a whole different animal, isn't it? Than saying, I think we should be forgiving. Saying, I forgive you, and then there being a name? That's specific versus general. I think in a general sense, we should be kind to others. On Sunday morning, no one's going to argue with me about that, right? Like, nobody's going to stand up and say, Pastor, I think you're wrong on that. We shouldn't be kind to people. Nobody's going to say that. But it's a different question to ask. Over last week, who was I intentionally kind to? Who was I intentionally a neighbor to? What name can I put in that slot? Not, Not as a way to fill out our scorecard, right? Not as a way to say, okay, I did that. I checked that out. Not, not as a way to fill out our scorecard, as a way to become the human beings that God is trying to transform us into. We would all say we should love others, but, but if we were asked, who specifically did you show love to this week in some tangible way? That's a different question. 
I would say in general, it's a good thing to be generous, to be a giver, to be charitable. That is a general question. The specific question is, when is the last time I was really generous? In a way that maybe cost me something. In the spiritual life, I think we too often let ourselves off the hook in the general application of spiritual principles. Generally, I agree with that. When Jesus' life shows us, he was constantly turning general principles into specific people. He was always doing what he taught to a specific person. When you read the Gospels, the Gospels are littered with these individual moments between Jesus and someone else, often someone else that others didn't notice, didn't value, would have walked past, would have overlooked, and Jesus stops and specifically carries out his ministry with individual people. Yes, Jesus often taught crowds. Jesus often gave broad, sweet, sweeping principles. But the interesting thing about the gospel is almost every time Jesus is teaching a crowd, in the very next moment, he's talking to a person after it's all over. Like Jesus was not just there for the crowds. He saw people. He saw faces in such a way that there were people who would not just say about Jesus, Jesus is a kind person. They would say, Jesus was kind to me. They would not just simply say Jesus loves people. They would say Jesus loved me. They would not just say Jesus is someone who helps others. They would say Jesus helped me. My name would go in that slide. Here's some examples. Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus' story was not Jesus is a kind person. Zacchaeus' story was Jesus was kind to me. Jesus saw me. Zacchaeus' story wasn't Jesus likes to go to people's houses. His story was he came to my house. He sat at my table. We had a conversation. I felt loved and valued by him. So much so that Zacchaeus repairs the damage he had done by stealing as a tax collector. Like his life is transformed, not because Jesus in general was this person, but because Jesus specifically encountered him with love and grace. A similar moment in Matthew about Matthew, who was also a tax collector, Matthew 9, 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And what do you think those tax collectors and sinners said about Jesus after that? 
They didn't say Jesus eats with people. They said, we ate with Jesus last night. Jesus teaches people. Jesus taught us last night. Jesus saw us last night. There was a specific interaction between Jesus and other people. A little later in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is on his way to heal a specific girl who has passed away to bring her back to life. And on the way, there's a crowd around him and somebody touches him. And the Bible says Jesus sensed power went out from him. And he stopped and said, who touched me? And in the stories, the disciples go, everybody's touching you, Jesus. Like there's, Look at all these people. What do you mean, who touched you? Everybody touched you. And Jesus said, no, there was a specific person that touched me. And sure enough, there was a woman. Been dealing with a medical condition for 12 years of her life that, that had spiritual and relational implications. And Jesus said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. It's healed you. Jesus didn't believe that in general we should love people. That was not his message. His message was not, in general, you should try to be a kind person. Jesus said, no, love your neighbor. Love somebody specifically. Show kindness to somebody specifically. Don't just think it's a good idea. Don't just think, hey, it would be great. Do something specific that says, in the name of Jesus, because you are valued by God and loved by God, you are secure in your relationship with the Heavenly Father who's going to give you an eternal home one day. You don't need anything from anybody. You don't have to impress anybody. You can just love somebody. I'll make the disclaimer I often make. I don't think you can love everybody in the whole wide world. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think you can solve every problem or meet every need. I don't think you can step into every issue. I don't think any of that. I just think we live our spiritual lives too much in the general, and we need to step into the specific. No, I can't love everyone, but this week I could love someone I can't show kindness to everyone, but I could show kindness to someone this week. I can't love in the name and the authority of Jesus everyone, even everyone I encounter this week. But I could stop just generalizing my obedience to spiritual principles. And I could find somebody to specifically obey the word of God with this week. You know, it's, like the, it's like the trolley in, in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Like, let's take it out of the land of make-believe, right? Like the land of make-believe is kind of, it can be however we want it. It's kind of the general world. Let's come into the real world and love real people this week. What if just us, just those who are here this morning, those who are watching online today, 
what if we just all found somebody? Again, not to keep score, not to pat ourselves on the back, not, not to report back next Sunday and say, did you, did you, did you? What if we just all decided this week, I'm not going to love in a general way. I'm going to show love to somebody specifically. I'm going to put a name there. Maybe it's your literal neighbor in your literal neighborhood. Maybe it's the person at work you've been avoiding the most. Or the person at work that you know has the greatest need in their life right now. And you love them, and you care about them, and you're burdened for them. But specifically, you haven't taken a step towards them in the name of Jesus. What if we did that this week? What if we stopped letting our spirituality be some general idea about what we're supposed to do, and we let our spirituality become a specific idea of what we will do this week. It, it would change people around us. It would change the environment that we live in because it would change us. It would change us if we stopped using general agreement as an excuse for not specifically obeying. God, I, I ask that you would do a deep work in us, starting with the fact that most of us live in some sense with a feeling that we don't measure up or, or we aren't enough or we're striving and proving and not making a lot of headway. Settle in us this beautiful reality that all we need we have in Christ. We can love because we have been loved. God values us. God has given us an eternal home because of Jesus. And then help us to start putting names next to our spiritual commitments, our spiritual ideas. Not just that we think we ought to love, but there's someone by the end of this week who will feel loved because of us. How about just write names? Thank you for the Gospels where Jesus just keeps encountering individuals. He, he just keeps talking to people one by one. Let us be that type of neighbor, that type of person. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.